0: The reading this morning comes from Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the bowels, and they burned incense to images It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lives a little child to the cheek. I bent down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt? How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboyim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger. Nor will I devastate Ephraim again. For I am God and not a man. The Holy One among you. I will not come against their cities. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come from Egypt Trembling like spirals from Assyria, fluttering like doves. "I will settle them in their homes," declares the Lord.:
1: Thank you, Patrick. Very well read, and uh, Joe, it's interesting. God' we're praying there for the youth and for children. There's a picture here of God as father, passionate with love for his children, in this case the people of Israel. When Israel was a child, I loved him. God's love is like that of a father who truly loves his child. We're thinking of uh, the love of God this morning and uh, last week, as uh, Oge mentioned, we thought about grace now this is because we're looking at a phrase that we sometimes say to one another in church and it's called the grace this sentence I wonder if we could possibly have the words up on the screen please Tony um, and uh, it comes from the Bible it's from two Corinthians the end of the book Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and it's a blessing that we can speak over one another now sometimes we'd sort of turn turn around and say to each other I wonder if we could just Look at the screen and, and say these words together, please. Now, may the grace of our Lord. Just for a moment. So last week we thought about that first line the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and in Two weeks' time, we'll think about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're blessed because uh, Werner and Henny are going to share with us for what, from what God's uh, laid on their hearts, so do come along next Sunday. But um, today, we're thinking about the love of God. There's a Trinitarian blessing there, the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, Father God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is to be our lived reality. It's not just nice words. It's not just something that we might say, um, just to uh, sort of smile at each other and pass the time, it's to be our experience. Could we be a church where people can really discover that love of God? We were singing about the reckless, never-ending love of God. Can we be a church where Pembury can discover this kind of love? Well, we can be if we know it first. (laughs) It's got to start here. I've got to know it. I've got to know this love that God has for me. Thank you very much, Tony. I've got to know that God is my father and he loves me with an undying love. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love, one who lifts a little cheek, little child to the cheek I bent down to feed them. God isn't interested in so many of the trappings of religion. I don't think he actually cares. But what he is interested in is a relationship with you and me. That's what God was crying out for. It might seem blasphemous to say this and I think it's probably wrong but I'm going to say it because I want to be a bit provocative. God's needy. (laughs) Now you think, no, he's not. He needs to be in relationship with us. God wants you so much. He's desperate for you. He's crying out for you to come to him. For you to draw near. In March, I'm going to remember... The death of my dog. A year since he died last March. <laughs> His name was Louis. Many of you knew Louis. He was a beagle. And what would happen is you'd go with for a walk with Louis and you'd let him off the lead. And that would be it. Foom! He'd go. He'd run off. You remember Louis, don't you, Gemma? And Louis was one of those dogs, the more you called him, the more he ran away. And uh, it's kind of what, how God describes the people here. The more they were called, the more they went away from me. Now, Louis, he was a beagle. It's just what he did. He'd follow his nose and follow a scent, and he was off. But what would happen is, hours later, and I'm not joking, sometimes hours later, he'd look around and think, I'm lost. Eventually, he'd get him back. One time, it was five hours. <laughs> So when someone's panicking because they lost the dog for five minutes, I say, you know nothing. <laughs> but <clears throat> the people of God in Hosea have gone astray. They've followed their noses. And they've gone, ooh, this smells good. I'm off over here now. They've forgotten their owner <laughs> standing there with the lead. And God's not the kind of owner who says, oh, well, never mind. Off you go. You, I'll leave you to it. No, he's calling out for his pet. <laughs> he's crying out come back to me, and he never gives up, never gives up, anyone know Rick Astley, no Rick Astley, what does he say, never going to give you up, I just want to tell you how I'm feeling, where it says here, how can I give you up, I'm never going to give you up, how can I hand you over, I'm never going to give you up. I'm so in love with you. I have such compassion for you. Many of us know what it's like to be a parent and our children don't follow the Lord. They turn away from the Lord. And we think, where did I go wrong? What did I do? But do we stop loving them? No. We don't stop loving them. We keep on loving We keep on caring. Now Hosea is in the Old Testament. And Hosea is is one of the prophets. He's the first of the minor prophets, but he's a major minor prophet. The minor prophets, there's 12 of them. They're called minor prophets because their books are a bit smaller than the major prophets. The major prophets are like Isaiah, and Jeremiah, the big guys, Ezekiel and Daniel we may have heard more of them but the minor prophets they're towards the end of the Old Testament and if you like you if you can kind of skip over them it's too easy it's easy to do and Hosea is the first one of the minor prophets there's 12 of them and it is easy to skip over the words of a a book like Hosea because if you read through Hosea actually you'll find a lot of it is quite negative see the prophets what they would do is they would call out the bad stuff they would call out sin in the land they would call a spade a spade they wouldn't varnish the truth they would just tell it like it is and it does make for uncomfortable reading but we ignore this truth from scripture at our peril because we need to hear the truth. And we need to hear the truth, especially when we're thinking about love. The world's got a different version of love to the, world, to the, to the love that God has. We often say it, don't we? The world's version of love is, is a feeling. It's a Hollywood Influenced version of love which might say oh well it doesn't really matter I love you anyway and oh. but God's love looks at the truth and looks at it right in the eyes and doesn't tell lies imagine that you're in love with someone and you're thinking you're going to get married to that person but imagine if you know that that person is going to be unfaithful to you. Will you still marry them? What do you think? You're probably not going to go through with it. If you know for sure the person you're about to marry will be unfaithful. Now, infidelity does happen and it, it can, uh, can be repaired if both parties are willing. But you're unlikely to set off into a marriage if you know that that person that you're going to marry will be unfaithful to you. But amazingly, Hosea is someone who does exactly that. He marries somebody who he knows is going to be unfaithful to him. And he does that because God tells him to do that. Get this? God tells him to marry a promiscuous woman. Can you imagine that? Now, all throughout Scripture, God has quite clear warnings. Do you know adultery, sexual immorality, it's nothing new. God says don't commit adultery. God warns against the adulteress and all these sorts of things. You can find so much of that in Scripture. book of Proverbs talks about it extensively. It talks about being satisfied with the breasts of the wife of your youth. It's one of my favorite verses. I'll get my coat now. <laughs> Okay, I'm joking. Uh, no, I suck. <laughs> Dear me. Stop it, Foster. Stop it now. Just embarrassing. Looking at my daughter. She's going to kill me. She's going to kill me. You are so embarrassed. Anyway, I'm not looking at my wife. That's the general message of Scripture. Be faithful. Be committed to the one you love. Now Hosea is a man of God, he's a prophet, he hears from God, and he's not told to be unfaithful, but he's told to marry an unfaithful woman. Go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, God says, right at the start of the book of Hosea. Why does he say that? Well, he says that because... Like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Hosea's life is going to represent the spiritual state of the land. And his, his uh, words are not just going to represent what God's saying, but his actions too. Sometimes prophecy speaks louder when it, it's put into action. Ezekiel is told to do some weird stuff as well. Lie on your side and all this sort of thing. Um, But Hosea has the most extreme thing he's told to do. No one else in Scripture is asked to do this. Go, marry a promiscuous woman. Know that this woman is going to be unfaithful to you. Why? Because it's a picture of my people. How much pain that must have caused Hosea. What a cost it was to him. He had children with her, but Surely when they went out, you know, people, oh, well, is it his child? Doesn't he know what kind of woman she is? He He is obedient to the Lord. And Hosea then goes on to describe the spiritual state of the land. And he tells it like it is doesn't pull any punches. Chapter 4 says this. Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness. Not just not very much faithfulness, but there's no faithfulness. There is no love. There is no acknowledgement of God in the land. What is there? There's none of this good stuff, there's no faithfulness, there's no love. What is there instead? There's cursing, there's lying, there's murder, there's stealing, adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. It sounds a pretty bad scene, doesn't it? The prophets call out sin. Now, you've got to understand that this was a risky thing to do. And prophets like, for example, Jeremiah, he got thrown into a well. They didn't. People didn't like to hear what they had to say but they had to speak out the truth of uh, God's word. And they're often speaking against those in authority, the kings, and saying, what you're doing is wrong. Got them into trouble, but they had to speak out the truth. Now, we do live in a very different society. We live in a society where, actually, if you speak out against the government, you're not generally going to be thrown into prison. You do have free speech. And we also have a press, a media, who are able to speak out and actually uh, call out sin, if you like. Now, I know that there are issues with the the media and the press and they often maybe have a a political bias and uh, and they, they tell you what they want you to hear to a degree. But they are able to call out sin, which wasn't happening at all in Hosea's day. In some countries where there's just a pure dictatorship, the press just do exactly what the government tell them to do, don't they? We are actually blessed to have free speech and for people to be able to call out uh, and hold to account the powers that be. I'm fascinated by the fact that the post office scandal uh, has come to light through a TV (laughs) programme. It's stuff that happened years ago. And uh, everyone assumed that these, these sort of people running the post offices, oh well they must have made mistakes and they were told "Oh, no, it's your fault and you've got to pay money. Actually it's a software error, but the big company of course had the big lawyers and didn't want to, you know, wanted to protect themselves. So it was brushed under the carpet. They were told, the, the small people were told, no, 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 you're wrong. Fascinating that now the government is having to respond because of a TV programme. The power of the media, <laughs> the power of TV. But there is free speech and there is possibility to speak out. A friend of ours, a friend of mine, his daughter was so, so excited because she got a place at ballet school. She got a, she got a, uh, a scholarship to a ballet, ballet school, a prestigious ballet school. But do you know what? It's ruined her life because the ballet school treated the pupils horribly. Why? Because they're just in pursuit of the perfect ballet dancer. Because it will give the school great prestige. But they treat the children really abusively and horribly. And my friend's daughter, it's ruined her life. There was a news article about that just before Christmas. But it didn't really hit the headlines big time. There was a panorama programme about that. But again, maybe we would need to wait for a TV drama or something. There is injustice out there. There's masses of it. And sometimes it does get swept under the carpet. We like to sweep things under the carpet. Oh, don't make a big fuss. But prophets like Hosea, they call it out. And it's uncomfortable. But we do need to hear the words of God. What's this got to do with the love of God? (laughs) We need to look at the love of God within the context of justice within the context of the injustice that goes on in our world. Now, I must admit, I'm not a massive fan of the film Love, actually. I'm a boring killjoy, spoil sport, misery guts. And I apologise to those of you who love that film. But is it really love? No, it's not. <laughs> it's a sugar-coated Hollywood there, there, never mind, kind of version of love. Of course there's some love in there, but we need to be real when we think about love. And the love of God looks at sin right in the eye and still loves us. That's what's so amazing about the love of God. Chapter 3, the Lord says, Go, show your love to your wife again, though she's loved by another man and is adulterous and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, although they turn to other gods. Although we've turned away, although we might sin, although our world has turned away, God still loves the world. His love is that extreme. I'm standing next to a cross. Why do we keep this cross on the stage? Because it represents the reckless love of God that he's willing to go all the way because he loves us that much. God knows everything. Do you know that God knows your deepest darkest thoughts? And he loves you anyway. God knows the things we don't want anyone else to know about, and he loves us anyway. He's got full knowledge, there's full disclosure, there's no hiding anything from him. He loves us nonetheless. That is the love of God. And I wanted to read not just passage like the prodigal son story which really does speak of the love of God as well. But something from the Old Testament because it shows that all along it's a love story. That's another film. All along it's a story of God's pursuing his people. God has him very high standard, yes, but he's calling his people and he never gives up. Do you know, a lot of people believe in God but they've given up on church. They so our well, church is a waste of time. I've got a faith, I guess, but not really bothered about church. And I can get it. But God has not given up on church. Even though the church might not always represent him very well. We heard in the headlines this week of, uh, of a TV evangelist who run a, a horrific cult-like atmosphere in uh, his church. God still loves the church. God still doesn't give up. God is calling us to return to him. To come back. Do we want to see, see a revival? A revival requires repentance. And it requires a true turning back to God. And a true turning back to God means looking at reality. Looking it in the face. Not trying to hide a thing, but coming to God anyway. It's when we're prepared to face up and be honest. And yet we still come back to God. Return Israel to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall, but return to the Lord. We will never again say, our gods," to what our hands have made, for in you the fatherless find compassion. Return to the Lord, because he loves you. I thank you that you love us. I pray for us here this morning. Help us to receive your love. Help us to live in the light of your love. he's inviting us to do is to take one step in his direction this morning I will betroth you to me forever he says I will betroth you in righteousness and justice and justice in love and compassion I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord's Amen invite the band to come